You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the top passing or serve-receive errors that I see with players. You know, we've done a lot of episodes in the past where, uh, actually, we've done a ton of serve-receive episodes in the past where I've brought on amazing speakers, talked about some of the, t- uh, the technical aspects of passing and what to look for, but we've never really talked about the top mistakes that I see athletes making when learning how to pass, when trying to practice passing so that we can correct it. So I'm gonna share with you the top mistakes that I see athletes making. So hopefully you can now be more aware of it and look out for it and we can rectify it right away. So this is an episode you don't wanna miss, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 171 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball. To my new listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And if you are a regular listener, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Where the goal, just like every other episode, is to deliver value step-by-step strategy so you can take your team to another level and I am hoping to do to do that again today. Well today's episode actually before we get into today's episode just a couple updates about myself here we um, we just came back from our so I did something different this year now um, if you've been listening to the episode to the podcast for a while you, you know that training camps a big part of programming you always hear me talk about it and um, what I did this year was I had uh, two separate training camps per se. So in August, I had the real official training camp where, you know, they come in, we have a series of on-court sessions and classroom sessions where I basically teach them volleyball from the ground up. We learn all the terminology. We have our our classroom sessions where I go over our offensive and defensive systems. We have some team building, we have some team dinners and, you know, we have some fun and we get to know each other and it's a it's a really great weekend of training establishing the culture, explaining the volleyball manual, and things like that. So that was our training camp back in August. And this time I had a part two, because normally I do my training camp in Niagara. Niagara Falls is, you know, a big tourist attraction out here in Ontario. And this year what I did was I did it. I did the, the, on, the court and classroom stuff in August. And this weekend we decided to do the Niagara, which just became a team building opportunity it was a team building outing so it was go to niagara falls um have a ton of fun we you know lunch we do we did two excursions we did um this cool maze this outdoor maze in niagara falls uh we split the, the guys up into groups of three and the fastest team that gets through the maze wins and we had a couple ties actually um we should have done we, we, we coaches realized we should have done it down to the last second but we did it to the to the minute which was foolish on our part because a minute is a long time, so we should have done it to the second. Uh, but then after that, uh, we played some miniature golfing, with, and that was a lot of fun. The guys had a great time playing miniature golfing. And then we went back to the hotel, and we and it was one of our coaches' birthdays, so uh, he was surprised with a cake, and uh, it, it was a good time. And then to cap off the weekend, uh, the very next day we have two games, 
um, in uh, in Niagara, and we played two college teams out there, Niagara and Georgian, and it was a great experience for our guys, a lot of fun. Uh, but actually, funny story for you guys. So, and some of you are going to laugh when you hear this, but every year, you know, there's always rule changes that happen within leagues. So at the university college level, you know, every year there's a coaches meeting and then some people put in motions for certain things to change and adapt. You know how it always is. In professional sports, it's the same thing. Every year they're changing some, some rule or adding some rule into the game to make it better. Well, this year, and this wasn't a motion put by the coaches. This was a motion put by the ADs of these institutions. And one of the motions that passed was you... You essentially have to be quiet during a serve. So we're going back to old school volleyball ways, like back when volleyball was first invented in the old school ways, you had to be quiet on a serve, kind of like tennis. Um, except, you know, the fans can do whatever they want to do. So we play, so the, the ref you know, spoke to us and said this new rule, when they blow the whistle to initiate serve, you can't talk. You have to be quiet. And I was... Um, and I was, and at first I was like, okay, I, you know, I know the the rationale behind it is, it was getting a little chippy with the benches going back and forth, and they wanted to mitigate, you know, any kind of disrespect or unsportsmanlike conduct among among the benches when the players are playing. You know what? Whether I disagree or agree with that, fine. That's if that's what your goal was, is to make the game more sportsmanlike, no problem. But then we got carded, and it's an automatic yellow card, by the way, if you violate this rule. So everyone knew about the rule, but what I found interesting was the players weren't allowed to speak as well, and that to me was extremely strange. So when the server tosses the ball, no one can say anything, but not only my players on the court, they have to be quiet until after contact, and I'm thinking, well, that doesn't make sense. What if it was a bad toss and they have to communicate that it, they make an adjustment? What if it was a hybrid serve? What if there's so many situations where tactically our players should be allowed to say something to one another instead of having to wait till contact is made? Because in at our level, when contact is made, that ball is coming over the net right away. There's no time to you know to now communicate adjustments based on a read that we made earlier. And I thought that was really silly, and we got carded for that. Uh, okay, we got a yellow card as a as a warning. So after we, we kind of talked to the ref about it, and I was like, "Yeah, that that the, the bench thing, fine, I'll I'll take that." But the players on the court, yeah, I'm not really sure about that one. So I'm sure this is going to be an issue this season, and I'll keep you guys updated on um on how that turns out. But you know, nowhere nowhere else in the world has this silly rule that you have to be absolutely quiet on serve. Like fine, the bench, but the players on the court too. Can, can have to keep their mouth closed. Even the, the ref even said, and this was crazy. He even, he was even like, yeah, even if they have a cold and they make a little cough when they're about to serve, that's still. I'm like, come on, what what are we talking about here? I guess in the reality of it is, when the gym is loud, anyways, um, you know, it's not going to matter because the gym's going to be super loud anyways with the fans. Uh, but but get this, when your team is serving, you're allowed to be as loud as you want because your team is serving. I don't know. The whole thing just seems kind of silly to me, and I get the fact that they're trying to be, you know, promote sportsmanship, and I'm all for that. But for the players on the court, okay. Sorry, I I, I, I kind of I felt like I vented there. I ranted on for a bit about that. But anyways, let's get to today's episode, which is the most common mistakes <clears throat> with serve reception. All right, let's start off with talking about 
hand passing. So hand passing is the idea that when a server serves the ball, you are going to pass the ball with your hands and not your platform. That's hand passing. And there are <clears throat> there are many opinions out there on whether hand passing is good for the game, bad for the game. Some coaches don't teach it. Some coaches do teach it. Um, I I do teach hand passing only because I know that when you if you are strong enough to use your hands, then your hands can control the ball a lot better than your platform. It's because it's your hands. You use your hands every day. You can just you know move the ball to where it has to go. It's just it's a much easier pass to make. Now you only use your hands on a float serve, and the key thing with hand passing, and this is kind of off topic, but you have to have the hand strength to hand pass. If you're strong enough to hand pass, then you're good to go. But you have to have the hand strength to do it. So sometimes some players like Eric Shoji, for example, not that he's not strong enough, but he just prefers his platform and he's been obviously working on his platform for years and he's one of the best passers in the world and that's how he passes. He rarely hand passes. I don't know if he ever hand passes, but so here's some of the common mistakes with hand passing. The first is if you're teaching the skill, the first mistake you're going to find athletes make is they allow the ball to come too close to their body. So when you're hand passing, you're not setting the ball. And that's what a lot of athletes do. They let the ball come so close where it's almost like they're setting the ball to the target. And you're not doing that. As soon as that ball crosses the plane of the net, you have to attack the ball. And you have to have hard fingers and go after the ball to get it to your target. So you're not allowing the ball to come to you, but rather you're going to the ball and you're attacking it with intention and with purpose to get it to your setter. Okay, so there's that subtle difference of allowing the ball coming to you versus attacking the ball with your hands, going to the ball, hard fingers, and driving it to your setter. That's that's the important part, okay? The other thing with hand passing is, is the footwork kind of changes a little bit. So with platform passing, your hips are facing the server. So let's say you're passing out of five and the server's in one. Well, your hips are facing the server, and if the ball goes anywhere outside your body, you just angle it and get it to your target. But with uh, hand passing, there, there's no there's no angling. You're just getting the ball with your hand. So the only the subtle difference is you have to have your uh, your right. If you're passing out like same situation, if you're passing out of five and you're you're getting the serve from one, for example, um, your right foot is going to be slightly open to your setter. So you're not your hips are not directly facing the server. Your right hip is a little bit open to your setter. So that essentially is your angle. So your your hand passing, you can hand pass to the setter uh, instead of trying to turn your entire body during the pass, which you don't want to do. Um, so that's that's one of the common mistakes is just not having that hip open, the right foot slightly open to your setter to help get that ball to your setter. And the last common mistake I see with hand passing is players jumping and try to pass the ball. The thing about hand passing is that if they're float serving the ball and you move, you step up to pass the ball, and you have to, if you have to jump to get that ball, that ball is going out. And you have to trust that. That's the hardest thing is they, they see a ball coming in their vicinity and they, they, they know they can get it if they jump and they try to get it to pass because they're, they're, fear, they're fearful that it's going to drop and go behind the court. Or sorry, I hit the end line. And the truth of the matter is it can happen, yes, but it's very uncommon that a ball like that happens. And if he does it once, chances are the server is not going to do it again. So if you have to jump, even, even if you have to reach all the way up and extend your arm to get the ball, chances are it's going out. 
And that's what you have to trust with hand passing because float serves are supposed to be flat and right over the net. And if it's flat and right over the net, then you don't have to jump. It's right there for you. You just got to hand pass the ball. But if it's high above the net and it's going over you where you're passing, then that ball is probably going up. Because for it to drop, I mean, McCaslin balls maybe, but molten, not even, even McCaslin balls, they, they don't drop that fast. It will drop, but it will drop out of bounds. So just, you know, trusting that that principle and, and staying to the ground and staying within your passing your passing uh, zone is really important. Okay, so those are the couple of common mistakes with hand passing. Let's go to platform passing now, which I feel like I always talk about passing on this podcast. And again, today's a different intention. Today's purpose is to talk about the, mo- the common mistakes so we can fix them. Um, and I'm sure I've mentioned many of this before, but let's let's just talk about the most common one. Uh, I've, I've been working with a high school team over the last couple of weeks, and uh, and I get a chance to really that's what kind of stemmed this episode is you know working with you know uh, some high school players who aren't as you know I shouldn't say as advanced as college, but uh, you know they're not there yet. Let's just let's just be real, they're not there yet, and, and their their technical game is nowhere where it needs to be. You get a chance to really see the common mistakes that happen at the high school club level, and the first one is when passers, when they're using their platform, they're turning their body to get the ball to the target. It was, it was very strange when I saw that. So imagine a, a ball being served over the net and the passer establishing a platform, but instead of angling the platform to the target, they turn their body to the target as they pass and the ball is directed towards the, the target. Now, I don't know if I need to tell you why that's really bad is because there's... You, you can't move your body while you pass in that regard because your angle is changing throughout the entire pass. You're not stable. Like your feet should be on the ground, stable and getting ready to, and passing the ball, but you're not stable at all. And if that ball is driven with any kind of velocity on it, when you turn, that ball is going to fly into the back wall. So you don't want to turn. You don't want to turn. And a big part of the reason is because naturally... When a ball comes over, the natural instinct is to take the ball in the center of your body. You know, we call it the midline. Take the ball at the midline. That, that's a natural instinct. Well, I think it's I think it's more so been proven now that taking the ball at midline is not your most effective way of passing. Because if you take the ball at midline and you're passing out of five, how are you gonna get it to your target? How's the angle gonna get it there? It's very difficult. Very, very, very difficult to create a platform and angle it when you're taking it in the center of your body. So I, I, I think I want to say it's impossible. So that's not a, that's not a strategy you want to use. What you want to do instead is train your players to create angles and get it behind and get it behind the ball. And what that means is if the ball is coming straight at you, you have to use your footwork to create space and open your platform up to get it to your target. And that's the key is to create that space and take it on the side, even on a slight angle, right? If a ball's coming right to you, you just need a slight angle to create so that way it goes to the target and not go straight up. Okay, that's that's, that's the first one. Um, There's a really good drill actually by my good friend Dustin One where he had uh, people are tossing the ball over the net. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was a serve or just a toss. And have your players just catch like do the proper footwork so they so someone would toss the ball right to the center of their body and have your players do the proper footwork to catch the ball where they would have created the angle 
And you can do this, you can get multiple reps in because if you're just throwing it over the net, they can just get multiple reps by catching and then, and then just giving it to a target. Catching, give it to a target. Catch, give it to a target. So you can get multiple reps on them getting used to the footwork as well as extending their arms and catching the ball by creating that angle. So a lot of good things can come from that. It was a really good drill that Justin, that Dustin uh, uh, put out. I think he put on his Instagram. Okay, let's um, oh, talk about another common mistake, angling. So another big common mistake, and I'm sure many coaches have seen this in their gym, is when your angle, when you're passing, is facing up. Uh, your angle's facing up and the ball gets shanked. If they're taking it to one side of their body, like let's the right side or the left side, they get their platform out there but the platform unfortunately is facing up and that's where we see a lot of big problems. Your platform cannot be facing up. It has to be facing to your target. And the and how you do that is very simple. It's by dropping the inside shoulder. So for example, if you're passing a ball to the right side of your body, that means your left shoulder will be dropped slightly so that you can get behind the ball. Well, and I shouldn't say you, but your platform can get behind the ball and angle to your target. Okay, so that's the key. So make sure they're dropping that inside shoulder, therefore making sure their platform is not facing up. When the when the platform, anytime you see balls going up into the middle of the floor, it's because your platform is facing up. On a serve receive, when that happens, you're with your platform. Okay. Um, another big common mistake I see making is, and this this is actually probably more than the angle one, is platform being too tight to your body. This is this is probably the most common one I see when it comes to platform passing, is you can't either there one there is no angle, two it is very difficult to get the ball to where you have to want where you want it to go, if your platform is tight to your body meaning it is you know you imagine putting a platform out in front of you and now bringing the platform in closer to your body that is tough and people you know younger athletes normally do this when there's a ball that's driven pretty hard across the net they will then take it with their platform but their platform will be too close to their body and the ball won't go where it wants to go and you might get one out of five good passes your platform needs to be separated from your it needs to be there needs to be separation between your platform and your body there has to be a good amount of separation or it's it's going to be tough for you i mean there's no other way to spin it it's going to be very very tough for you if you don't do that, that's how our, our angles cannot be created if your platform is tight to your body. It has to be away from your body, okay? Um, another one that I, I see a lot and players get frustrated with this is overpasses. So sometimes you may get a ball that's driven to you and players put their platform there. They put it out, they get the ball and it goes over the net and they're shaking their heads like, why did it go over the net? I did everything right. I got my platform to the ball. I angled it to the target. My feet were stopped. What was going on? And what I found is that when that ball comes over the net and they establish a platform and they put their platform to the ball, what they're doing sometimes is as they contact the ball, they're giving it a little bit. And that's why it's going over. And most of the times it's shielded because when they bring their platform together and go to the ball, the act of putting your platform together and going to the ball is giving the ball a little bit of rebound, but with force back over the over the net. What they should be doing is creating a platform and holding that platform still when they get that ball behind, when they get that platform behind the ball, angle to target and it goes. 
They don't need to give it anything. And that's that's what I see a lot of athletes doing. They're, they're going to the ball and they're giving it a little bit, not realizing that they're doing that, but rather what they should be doing is, is having that ball come into their platform, again, away from the body and angle to the target. And there will be some blowback if it's a hard serve, but you absorb that serve with your feet and liberos can just fall on the ground after they take that serve because it's fine. And many liberos do as it's, it's actually a tactical thing to um, absorb it all with your feet, all with your hips, and then get it get it up. That's kind of, that's, that's a tactical decision. Okay, let's um, continue with another mistake. Oh, another mistake I see here. Being too low. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Being too low can actually hinder your service your serve reception. And the reason is because when you're really low, that's what digging's for. Digging is to stay low so you can pop the ball up to your target. But when you're too low, it's very difficult to angle and it's very difficult to track the ball and get behind it. It's good for a dig because you're just trying to pop the ball up, right? And you can cover more ground the lower you are. But if you're too low as a passer, it's, you, you might even though you're covering more ground, it's really hard to create angles. And all that's going to happen is you're going to end up popping the ball up or getting overpass. So you don't want to be too low. You want to be comfortable on a serve receive. Like, like if you were to just get into an athletic stance and put your hands on your knees, like that's that's really like as low as you you can go a little lower than that. But that's pretty much a good baseline for you. Okay. Another big common mistake I see um, at the younger age group, especially is this idea now this is actually a really good one reading no let me rephrase this reacting and not reading okay let me repeat that reacting and not reading so what that means is when the server serves the ball after they contact the ball and it's making its way over the net then we're reacting and going that is a mistake what they should be doing is recognizing what kind of serve is it. Is it a float or is it a spin? If it's a float, we step up before contact. If it's a spin, we move back before contact. So that's how we differentiate. That's that's showing that you're do you're reading. You're seeing what the cues are that the serve is giving you and you're moving accordingly. So now when the ball is hit, you're already in the right spot. You just have to figure out a way to pass the ball to the target. So really important, but you want to make sure that you are reading and not reacting. If you are only reacting and not reading, it's going to be very tough for you to win volleyball games. Okay. And the last part of the platform piece that I wanted to mention, and I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with giving it some, is just swinging. You know, you want to avoid athletes swinging like they're playing baseball or something. I see that quite a bit. And when you avoid doing that, you'll be you'll be more successful. It's just avoid swinging altogether. And that, that kind of ties in with my uh, giving it some, giving it some and then having it be an overpass. Uh, the ne- the last little part here I want to add, and that was the last part of the platform, but the last part of the service reception is, is really just communicating incorrectly. You know, I see a lot of people under the same, you know, old system as whoever calls it first goes for it. That If you're a coach, and that's what you're practicing, I, I really encourage you to stop. It's, it, it is, yes, communication is important, and you absolutely do want to call it when it's being served to you. But it's not whoever calls it first gets to it. It's whoever's seam and passing zone that ball was in. So seams, really quickly, is the distance between all the players and the distance between the end line, or the sideline rather, and the player. So there are four seams in our game. Two seams between 
the passers, and then two seams from the passer to the sideline. Those are seams. So most of the time, you see problems when no one calls the seam when they step on the floor. They don't know whose ball is responsible for who. And then when someone serves in and it goes between two players, they look at each other like, whose ball was that? That should never happen. And that's a problem I see all the time, especially in the younger level, where there's no communication backcourt, there's no communication on the pass, and all of a sudden, you're struggling to, to side out because you can't pass a ball. Okay? Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what I really want to talk about the communication is the, you know, it's not about the first one who calls it, and it's about, you know, knowing your seam and knowing your passing zone, and that will help. Okay, let's do a quick recap. So we talked about uh, the crazy rule that the league implemented, which hopefully changes or modifies. Um, we talked about hand passing. So allowing the ball to come close to your body and then setting it. Well, first of all, you're not setting it, you're passing it. But allowing it to come too close to your body is a, is a big problem. We want to make sure that we are going after the ball and attacking the ball. Um, footwork changes slightly. Remember that right foot is slightly open to, the, to your setter because there's no angles when it's hand passing. Um, and then don't jump and hand pass because if you're reading the cues properly, you know that if you jump, that ball is going to touch you and, and it's probably going to go out versus leaving it on a float serve that's way above you where you got to jump, that ball, let it let it go because that ball is probably going to go out. So just reading that and understanding that is really, really important, okay? Um, then we talked about using your platform. We don't want to turn our body, our body to get the ball to the target. We want to use our angle to get the ball to the target so we never want to take a ball straight up in the middle of your body you know we call it the midline <clears throat> and the dustin watton drill is a really good one for this where you just toss the balls in rapid fire style and players have to move their feet and catch it how they would in a real game so we're not catching it straight up but you're catching it on an angle and they would actually have to show the angle when they catch it too it was actually really creative um so that was a good one um when another problem we've we talked about was the angle facing up so we don't want our angles ever facing up, and that normally happens when the ball is served outside your body. You tend to reach to create a platform, and your inside shoulder is facing up instead of dropped. So hypothetically, let's say that you're passing a ball to the right side of your body. Well, if you were, then you would have to make sure that that left shoulder gets dropped so you can maintain the angle to the target. If that left shoulder doesn't drop and stays high, then your platform is going to be facing the ceiling and that's exactly where the ball is going to go. So you want to avoid that at all costs, okay? Um, we talked about giving it some and then overpass. So remember, hard-driven serves. Remember, at certain levels, of, if serves are coming at you pretty fast or float serves are coming at you with some kind of pace, you, you don't want to, you want to absorb it. You know, you want to, Hold your platform. You don't want to give, give it anything. You don't want to give the ball any kind of momentum going the other way. You want to hold your platform. That way you give yourselves a good shot taking the ball. And remember, it's all in your legs. Hold the platform with your legs. And if you have to fall over by maintaining a platform, that's fine. But you got to make sure you maintain a proper platform. Okay? Um, platform too tight to your body. We don't want to have any tight platforms to the body. You can't create an angle. You have no control. Keep the platforms away from your body so you can control it out in front and angle accordingly. Make sure you do that, okay? You don't want to be too low. We talked about this. Don't want to be too low on serve receives because that's how the ball gets popped up into the middle of the floor. We want to be slightly, you know, relaxed. Like when you when you drop a little bit after being shoulder-width apart, you want to relax, and that way you can move to the ball and read it, etc. cetera. Uh, and then the last one, I talked about swinging, but the last one is reacting and not reading. Yeah, that was a good one reacting and not reading. You have to look at the server. See what the server is doing. Are they float serving or are they spin serving? 
You have cues that you move accordingly. You know, what kind of serve? Communicate that with your teammates. You know, all of these things are important and that's that means you're reading and not reacting. We don't want to be in reaction mode. We want to be in read mode. We're reading what they're doing so we can put ourselves in a better position to win. Okay? All right. I hope you guys got some value out of today's episode. I mean, oh, the last thing I talked about was communication. Yeah. For, it's not about first one to call it. It's about seams and passing zone, which we talked about. All right. Well, that's it for me. Listen, guys, I hope you got a great episode. I hope you learned something and picked up some things. Maybe you might look at your team now to see if they're you know, making these mistakes so you can fix it right away. Um, but, uh, but that's about it for me. Um, uh, if you want to dive more into serve, receive, and passing, by the way, I have an entire passing course inside DVA. Um, that is actually one of my more popular courses. So I encourage you to go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Links are in the show notes as well. I get more information about that too. All right, now I'm really gone, okay? All right, see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.